Lord would give us the opportunity to share more on Ephesians in later times. But um, what I want you to understand is that this prayer of Paul's, it becomes the, the basis of the rest of the book. It's very unique to see it that way. And so Paul is praying for the Ephesians. Now, normally, Paul starts right off in the beginning praying, but he gets kind of caught up and excited about all that God is and all that God has. But finally, he says, wait a minute, I've got to pray for you. Do you know, if you were to go and talk to a blind person about a rainbow, it would be really difficult to explain it, wouldn't it? Someone who's never seen before. Someone who's been blind from birth. It would be very difficult. I mean, you could go on talking about the rainbow, and, and, and it really probably would be quite boring and to some extent to that blind person since they can't see a thing you're talking about or need neither have the faintest idea of what you're saying. You know, and it's like that with the things of God. God needs to continue to open our eyes to see more and more of what he has for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul just stops. He says, wait a minute, I need to pray for you, Ephesians. I mean, it was an awesome church, a very mature church. The things Paul speaks to this church are, are some very deep revelations. So this church was not just a, a baby church like the Corinthians. Paul says, you're just a bunch of babes. That's how he spoke to the, to the Corinthian church. You're all carnal. You're all in the flesh. You're just a bunch of babes. But he's speaking to the Ephesians on a very mature level. But he says, I need to pray for you because there's something you need to see more clearly. Well, Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll look here. He starts the prayer uh, in verse 16. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, here's what he's praying. Verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Who's Him? You have to be careful with pronouns in the, in the Bible. Who's the Him that's referring to? In the knowledge of? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. <laughs> He's the one, right? So he says, in the knowledge of Him. And then he continues to pray, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And thirdly, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, when he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and so on. So there are three things written here. If you can go back to verse 18, we see two of them there. Two things in this verse, and then in verse 19, the third thing. There are three things he said that the Ephesians' eyes needed to be opened to see more clearly. The first thing is, what is the hope of his calling? The second thing, what is the riches and the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And the third thing in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? The first thing I want you to point, I want you to see in these verses, in verse 18 again, is it's who, the hope of whose calling? His calling. It's, and, and what the riches of the glory of whose inheritance? His inheritance. Not ours. Did you know that God has an inheritance? 
What do you think God's inheritance is? His inheritance where? In the saints. Turn to somebody next to you and say, glad to meet you. You're one of God's inheritance. <laughs> You're part of God's inheritance. Doesn't mean God has a whole lot, does he? <laughs> <laughs> bunch of sinners saved by grace, miserable, grumpy complainers, you know, you know, all kinds of problems we have. God doesn't, that's my inheritance. <laughs> we got the better portion, didn't we? It's, there's an interesting verse in Psalms 44. It says that God sold his inheritance and he didn't increase his wealth by selling it. <laughs> Speaking about the Israelites when he sold them over to the hands. He says God didn't even, when he sold his inheritance into the hands of the, of the enemy nations, it, he didn't even increase his wealth. He didn't make any profit on it. <laughs> well, you and I are God's treasure. Can you say amen to that? We may not see ourselves. We may not understand that. And this is all part of it. We need to understand how to see things from heaven's eyes. Knowing how to see things that God has for us. And we need our eyes to be healed. Okay, we can see. Once we were totally blind, now we see. You know, a baby's eyes, did you know that in a mother's womb, one of the first things that's formed is the eyes? Did you know that? It's one of the first things to be formed. And here's something else that's unique. The size of our eyes has not changed since the moment we were, it was first formed in the mother's womb. Our eyes are the same size. Our nose grew, our ears grew, and a lot of other things grew, but our eyes stayed the same. And uh, so this is, the, the eyes have a very important part in our, in our very physical life, and how much more spiritually. So in this whole concept of being able to see things the way God wants us to see, it's important. It's important to understand this. And this is what Paul is praying for. And these things, all three of these things that he's talking about, all of them say they are his. His calling, his inheritance. And then verse 19 again. His what? His power. These are things that belong in Christ. It's all in Christ. Paul talks about the unsearchable riches in Christ Jesus. Everything is in Christ Jesus. So these three things he talks about here th then become the very three topics that he talks about throughout the book of Ephesians. If you get a chance in this coming week in your devotions, just to read the book of Ephesians and, and try to see the, if you can, I'm not going to tell you what those three divisions are tonight. We'll leave that for another time. But I want you to see that these are things Paul's talking about, how important it was that he would be able to, to pray this prayer for them that their eyes would be open. You see, Paul himself, Paul had an encounter with God. Do you remember what happened to Paul? Look with me in the book of Acts. Acts chapter, <clears throat> Acts chapter uh, 26. Paul is telling his testimony. And you see, Paul thought he could see. He was exceeding zealous. As a Jew, he was, you know, exceeding zealous. And another place in Philippians, he says that, you know, I, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I excelled in my religion, he said. Uh, according to the law of Moses, I was blameless. Now, he wasn't telling a lie. Remember, he was speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You don't lie when you're speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was telling the truth of where he really was. I was, according to the law, I was blameless, Paul said. I was keeping all of the law. 
on. I, I was zealous. I was, you know, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Well, in Acts 26, in this zeal of his, in verse, um, verse 9, he's given his testimony to King Agrippa. In verse 9, <coughs> he says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to, the, to this Jesus, to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Do you remember whenever Stephen was being martyred? Remember whenever Stephen gave his testimony, he was the very first martyr, the, one to, the very first Christian to die as a testimony for Jesus Christ? Uh, when Stephen was dying, Paul was right there. And he cast in his cloak as, as his favor for what was taking place. And that wasn't the only person he was responsible. That wasn't the only Christian he was responsible for seeing killed. So he thought he had to do all these things in verse 11. And I punished them often in every synagogue. And I compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. <laughs> Everybody say exceedingly mad. Okay, being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange or distant cities. Verse, thir- verse 12, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And, and, and Paul understood that this brightness. He talks about it later on. He talks about it as an unapproachable light. In verse 14, And when we were all fallen in the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Did you know that God knows how to speak Hebrew? How many think God can speak Spanish too, right? <laughs> That's right. Interesting. Okay, in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In verse 15, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Verse 16, can you imagine? He thought he was doing service unto God by persecuting all these Christians. And all of a sudden, he has an encounter with God, direct encounter, and he realizes he's been persecuting Jesus himself. Okay, verse 16, Jesus says to him, Rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto you. So this wasn't the only time that Jesus would be appearing unto Paul and revealing things to him. All right. And then he says, verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, verse 18, to open their eyes. And this was the commission that Paul had from God to open the eyes of others. How many know and understand that's our commission also? Once we were blind, now we can what? See. And God has commissioned us to open the eyes of the blind. Well, how does that happen? Well, you turn them 
from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. In verse 19, he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to what? To the heavenly vision. And if you remember the, what took place, the brightness of that light blinded Paul for three days. He went about in darkness for three. He couldn't see anything. He, went, he couldn't see a thing because that light was so bright. Well, then it goes on. He continues talking, of course, then to King Agrippa. And King Agrippa says to him in verse 24, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus, or this is Festus he's speaking to, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. <laughs> How many want to be mad for Jesus? Amen? That's right. So this was Paul's testimony. He was in a situation where he had an encounter with light that was so bright it just changed everything about him. And he realized his commission was to open the eyes. And turn with me back to Ephesians. Not only the eyes of sinners, but the eyes of Christians. He says to make all men to see. In Ephesians chapter 3, he says this, explaining about himself and, and his ministry. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, Ephesians 3, verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Everybody say that with me, unsearchable riches, unsearchable riches. And then verse 9, and to make all men see. This was what Paul was commissioned to do, and he was being very faithful to that. And writing to the Ephesians, he was sharing things God had given him to share, to open their eyes to see more clearly what God had for them. You see, even though we're, you know, the eyes are the first part of us that needs to be formed in a mother's womb, physically speaking, when a child is born, when they come out, it takes, I'm not sure exactly the length of time, but it takes several days or, uh, for their eyes to begin to focus. They don't know how to focus. The connection uh, of the neurons between the eyes, the retina, and, and, the, and the brain, the connection hasn't really had any opportunity to develop yet. And so as the child is looking around, all it's really seen is a blur, not even understanding uh, what it's seeing. And it begins to make connections. Eyes begin to clear, and they begin to see things more clearly. You and I, even though we've been born again, and we can see, once we were blind, now we can see, God needs to work yet more in our lives lives to develop that vision to see even more clearly. Can you say amen to that? You see? Even to see Jesus more clearly. Look with me in 1 John chapter 3. Here's an interesting expression that John uses. You see, th this vision that God has for us needs to be progressive. It needs to become more clear. It needs to become uh, more fixed 
upon Jesus Christ himself. And then we can begin to see other things more clearly. In 1 John chapter 3, he makes this statement here in verse 2. He said, Beloved, 1 John 3, this is the uh, letter that John wrote, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not appear, in other words, we don't understand what we shall be, talking about in eternity, but we know that when he shall appear, that's speaking about Jesus in the rapture, we shall be like him. For we shall what? See him as he is. This is a, a process that needs to go on in our lives. The Holy Spirit, Jesus told the disciples, he says, it's important for me to go. I need to go. He was referring to the cross and then after his resurrection to be glorified with the Father. And he said, then it's when I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. When I'm seated with the Father, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus said, it's expedient un- for me to go. Because I have things to tell you. I have things to share with you that you can't understand. You can't bear it right now. He was talking to disciples who were believers. They were believers. They, 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 they were followers of Christ. He says, but there's things I, I can't tell you now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take of mine and show it or reveal it unto you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, very important experience. If you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, as the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, this coming weekend is an awesome time. Last year it was a beautiful time to see people coming and getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a very necessary experience because the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us and begins to reveal Jesus to us in a way that the disciples who walked with Jesus in the flesh, they, they, they realized who he was, but they couldn't see him as he is. In fact, Paul says, even though we knew him after the flesh, now we know him no longer that way. There's a revelation of Christ that we need. And in that revelation of Jesus, in that perspective of, of our ability to be able to see him more clearly, things change in our lives. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, if you can look at that, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says that if we look at him with an open face, that speaks about honesty. That speaks about sincerity. That speaks about not hiding anything, not pretending. When we look at him with an open face, Something happens as we see him, as we see him, as our eyes are enlightened by the Holy Spirit to see Jesus, something divine takes place. It says the Holy Spirit changes us into that same image from glory to glory. How many are excited about that? (laughs) And this is what John was saying in 1 John. He said, we shall, we we, will... we need to see him as he is. And every man, he goes on in verse three, 1 John 3, verse 3, he goes on to say, and every man that has this hope of being like Jesus, every man that has this hope of being like him purifies himself even as he is pure. 
And this is what God wants to do in our lives. This ability to see things, to, to, have, to be able to understand what God has for us, to see ourselves the way God sees us, to understand what God has for us. Very, very important. Um, the Bible talks about um, problems with vision in, 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 in Second Peter. Look, with, look at this with me. And Peter's speaking to uh, the churches in general and his general epistle. He says in Second Peter chapter 1, he says, if qualities of Christ, if characteristics of Christ are not being formed in you, and he gives a whole list of these characteristics, talks about patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity and many things like that. He says in verse 8, of 2 Peter chapter 1. If these things are in you and they are abounding, they're growing and maturing in you, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind. He cannot see afar off. Sometimes we, we're, we're short, we're, we're, we're only nearsighted, which means we can see things close up, but, you know, uh, but when we look to the distance, things are a bit blurry. Right here, everything's all clear to me. I'm happy. But when I look over there, it's like, what, what is all that? I don't understand. And Peter's saying the reason why Christian characteristics, the character of Christ is, is not being formed in us as God wishes it to take place in us is that we're not, being able to, we're not able to see afar off. We're only thinking of the temporary. We don't realize there's an eternity that God is preparing us for. Can you say amen? In fact, I don't want to get too much into Ephesians. I'd like to uh, say that for late, later if the Lord enables us. But, but in Ephesians, when he says, I'm praying for you that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that's not talking about a call to ministry or a call to be an evangelist or a calling to preach or a calling. That's not talking about something down here. That's talking about something in eternity. What happens down here is just the process to prepare us for that. There's ministry down here God does call us to. Paul talks about how he was called to be an apostle. But this calling that Paul refers to in Ephesians is God's eternal calling, God's destiny for us to be, he says we've been predestined in Romans 8, says we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so we have, need to have our eyes open to see these things. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, again, talks about a problem we have when we're not able to see things afar off like God wants us to. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, talking about trials and afflictions that we go through. You know, isn't it interesting that two different people can go through the exact same trial, but when they step out of it, they have different reactions. One is angry at God. Why did you allow this to happen to me? It's not fair. And the other comes out saying, God, I just love you more and more and more. <laughs> How can that be? Because something in the eyes needs to be adjusted. Are you seeing what I'm talking? Are you seeing what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay, 2 Corinthians 4. He says this in verse, <clears throat> in verse uh, 16. He says, for which cause... We faint not, but even though our outward man perish, how many look in the mirror every day and see how your outward man is perishing? <laughs> things are falling apart, falling off, you know, all kinds of things happening. You know, our outward man is perishing, yet 
the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, verse 17, for our light if affliction, Paul said, he's referring to things he's been through. He says it's a light affliction, just a, you know, just little trials. What kind of little trials are we talking about that Paul went through? Well, shipwrecked, yeah, he was naked and destitute. He talks about how he received, how many, how many uh, lashes did Jesus receive? Remember how many? doesn't really say specifically in the Bible. We understand historically it would have been 39. 40 was death sentence in the Roman law, an execution. They knew that by 40 stripes, anybody would be dead by that point. So they only, only go to 39. So Jesus, we would understand, he went, had 39 stripes. or By his stripes were healed, the things we talked. So Paul says, I received that five times. Now, we, we saw in our Easter program, and of course you saw the pastor, we saw what those, what that, what those uh, lysians were like, being whipped by uh, the Romans. Paul says, I received it five times. Think about that. And many other things. He was stoned. They thought he was dead. They had thrown stones at him. Uh, that's what the Jews were doing because they, they, they were so angry and enraged with what he was doing. They were throwing stones at him. And everybody thought he was dead. And everybody ran off. They, well, thank God he's, you know, he's dead. We got rid of Paul. And as soon as they went back in the city, Paul you know, got up, shook himself off, and walked back in the city. I want to preach to you about Jesus again. <laughs> All these things he went, none of us have gone through anything like that. Paul says, it's, it's a light affliction. What is wrong with him? He must not have his head screwed on right. His eyes must not be adjusted the right way. Or are they? He says, verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Doesn't it feel like the time stops when you have a headache? When you're going through a trial, seems like things go by even slower. But Paul says it's just a moment. And it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18, while we look, and here's the key. Look at this in verse 18. While, let's read this together out loud. While we look, not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We need our eyes adjusted to see things the way heaven does, to see things the way God wants us to see them. Something must change in our lives. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, <clears throat> the, the eye is a very unique thing. Um, maybe if, and from science, you remember a little bit that, <clears throat> excuse me, actually what happens as the image comes in through the lens or the, the, of your eye into, and hits on the back of your retina, the image is actually upside down. How many remember that from Science 101, right? The image is actually upside down. Well, your brain takes that upside down image and literally turns it right side up so that you see things the way they're supposed to be. Now, about a, uh, uh, some decades ago, there was a man by the name of George Stratton, and he did a very unique experiment. I was just reading about it this afternoon on the Internet. Uh, doing, so I had heard about it, but I actually saw the specifics of it there. And what he did, understanding the way the brain works, what he did is he made a special pair of glasses that reversed everything and made it upside down. 
which means as he's looking, every, everything really, it's like he was on, to, on his head. Even though he was standing this way, everything was upside down. Well, that meant that on his retina, the image was going to be right side up now, wasn't it? And he wore those glasses for about eight days straight. And you know what happened? By the end of eight days, his brain had made the adjustment. And all of a sudden, everything was right side up and it was very normal to him. Very normal. I mean, I mean, apart from wearing his goggles on his face, I guess. But it was very, you know, he was see, his brain had made the adjustment after eight days. And he was able to see everything right side up. Well, guess what happened when he took the glasses off? Everything was upside down. <laughs> and then it took a while. I'm not sure how long it took, but it took a while for his, his brain to make that adjustment to see things right side up. See, we need to be able to see things the right way. How many understand that? We were born into this world seeing everything upside down. In the book of Acts chapter 17, the people were upset about Christians who were turning the world upside down. But is that what Christians do? Do we turn the world upside down or do we turn it right side up? <laughs> yeah, they just were seeing it the wrong way. And that's, that's the thing God has to do in our lives. There's a lot of things we can't understand because we're so used, our brains, our way of thinking is so accustomed to one way of seeing it that we can't understand. Uh, this, this, uh, even when we're looking right at the Bible, we can't see it as the way God wants us to unless we allow the Holy Spirit to come and make that brain and heart and mind transformation inside of us so we can see the way God wants us to see. Now I have a little video clip. It's a science video about a particular kind of fish. And it's very unique. I love, I love these little science videos. First of all, it shows how, <clears throat> it shows how uh, you know, evolution is one of the most foolish things of all. But I want you to understand what God did with this little fish. And uh, I don't know, if, is it ready to show? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, it's a little, uh, just, it's only about uh, two minutes long. And uh, understand the unique ability to see things that God gave this fish, okay? Well... Actually, we are seeing it. It's just that our eyes need to be adjusted. <laughs> Ever see a fish that spits? It's called the archer fish, and it has a good reason for its strange behavior. It's hunting for food. A stream of water is shot from the mouth. The force knocks the prey right onto the dining room table. The archer fish seldom misses the target. An amazing record since it has a very unusual problem called refraction. Because the fish is underwater, he sees the insect where it isn't. Accuracy is hard to come by. For a fish to make all the split-second calculations necessary to hit the target would seem almost impossible. Yet the archer fish does it again and again 
and again. Another creature given something special by the Creator, a skill for getting food that would otherwise be completely out of its reach. All right, interesting, huh? <laughs> you see, what was unique about the archer fish is that, you know, the, the property of refraction, when you look at something through water, the light rays bend. You don't see it in the same place it actually is. But the calculations that he makes in that brain, he's able to see and actually, you know, it's not something that you could get, your mind could get adjusted to. Not possible. But God put that already inside that fish so that it knows exactly the difference to make because of the refraction in water. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely amazing. And so God can do those kind of miracles in our life also. Do you feel like sometimes you're aiming at something that always ends up somewhere else and you wonder, how come it never works out for me? God wants to help us to reach our goals. There's things that he wants us to be able to understand, things he wants to open our eyes to see, even to be able to see each other the way God sees us. That's important too. Let's all stand and take those verses in Ephesians in these next, uh, next few days, if God would lead you that way. Just kind of pray over them, study them, look at the book of Ephesians, and, and you'll find some very precious things that God opens our eyes to see there. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord, for, first of all, having taken away blindness because we were blind. Because of sin, we were blind. But you came died on the cross, gave your life for us so our sins could be forgiven, sins could be washed away. You've taken us, Lord, from that place of Lodibar, as Mephibosheth was at, place of no pastor. You brought us to the banqueting table, made us one of your own children. But Lord, we want to see you better. We want to see you more clearly. We want you to open our eyes. Lord, help us to understand that just because we think we understand something, maybe we need some adjustments. Maybe we need somehow your word to come and bring healing, a focus to our eyes and to our heart to see what you really have for us. We thank you for doing that. We thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen.